everybody. Happy Tuesday and welcome on into another episode of Great Quarter Gals. I'm your host, Kaylee Nix, here with my freight partner in crime, Grace Sharkey. We're ready to talk all things women doing awesome things in freight. And Grace, glad to be back. It feels like between you being on the conference circuit, me being here in Chattanooga, we haven't lined up in like a couple weeks. So I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah, and then we got what two more weeks almost, and we get to hang out in uh, Chattanooga. So, yeah, we're we're back on back at it, ready to work, and uh, a lot of learning a lot on the road. And I'm sure you're busy as well, uh, getting stuff done. So it's nice; it allows us to get back together and, and learn about those uh, experiences, right? Yeah, we are getting ready for the future freight festival. It's like almost all hands on deck here at Freight Waves, literally all the time. And I think that between Haley Fazio and Jen Wiggins, no two women in this space are working harder right now to put this event together. So when you guys see them in two weeks here in Chattanooga, give them a pat on the back, give them a high five, pour them a drink like they need it. (laughs) Yeah, Jen Wiggins in particular is probably the most unseen person behind the scenes getting all of this work done. So if you don't know who that is, uh, look her up on LinkedIn, send her a thank you note, say hi to her if you see her at, at F3. Uh, but she, yeah, she's probably the hardest working uh, person probably at this point at Freightways right now, getting everything ready. So I uh, love her over here. <laughs> Absolutely. A big shout out to Jen. She makes our events happen. And if you are still looking for your F3 ticket, good news, they are still op- open for sale. So go on over to live.freightwaves.com and get those tickets. Of course, we'll talk about this again at the end of our show. But, you know, skip on over, live.freightwaves.com, get those tickets bought and purchased because we want to see you guys here in Chattanooga. It's going to be great. I'm super excited. I got to know, Grace, where do you think that F3 ranks on your list of conferences you've attended this year? Like, is there one that beats it out? No, not even close. And what's just so exciting is I'm comparing everything to last F3. So it's like I can't even uh, wrap my head around what this uh, this year's will be like and, and everything that I've heard that's added and uh, some of the new experiences that we'll see. And, I'm, you know, it's funny because I'm starting to see people on LinkedIn in particular posting their events and RSVPs and all that stuff. So uh, it's it's getting closer. It's uh, it's overwhelmingly getting closer. I'll be honest. I'm like uh, kind of losing it over here, but uh, very excited. I, I think I said it yesterday on Freightways Now, the blue hair dye has been ordered. It'll be here Thursday. It won't be in my head next week, but it'll be uh, right before I, I basically uh, take off. It will be getting it done. So I'm excited to just kind of do something with my hair at this point too. So there's multiple <laughs> factors for me. <laughs> I love it. We're stoked to see you. And again, and we hope can't, we can't wait to see everybody here in uh, two weeks. So you just finished up at the TII Tech Innovations Conference. Speaking of being on the conference circuit, you've been to CSCMP this year. You've been, like I said, kind of all over the place. Let's talk a little bit about TIA Technovations, though, because it's going to be the most recent conference between now and F3. That's going to be kind of what's stuck in people's minds right now. What were some of those big time themes that were brought up and how was it received? Well, the first thing I'll say is 
I, I love going to these events because I feel like I get off these planes. It's just like my phone's exploding. So, of course, you know, I get off the plane and the first thing I see is uh, multiple text messages and and Slack messages as well about uh, Convoy. So, like, in my head, I'm like, what a perfect timing for a conference, right? Uh, a bunch of brokerages coming together to, uh, to especially talk about technology. And we've got uh, one of the biggest uh, innovators and disruptors in the space uh, going through uh, this situation. So, you know, it was interesting at the at the first uh, event at, at night, kind of like their happy hour they had. I'm just kind of like sitting back, listening, eavesdropping, and people are talking about it. And I think that's, and it wasn't all bad. I will say there was a couple of jokes out there that were thrown throughout the uh, throughout the event, but. You know, I think it, it showcased, and with that audience there in particular, that um, it's the technology isn't going anywhere. If anything, people need to uh, be very strategic in how they want to add technology into their their businesses, and how to do it right, and how to do it wrong, and and learn from the mistakes that they saw from Convoy too. So uh, that situation was definitely on the minds of of everyone attending, and for me, it was. It was interesting to see just people's mindset going into a tech type of uh, of conference, knowing that, okay, I, I should really make sure I make the most out of this situation, try to learn from the panelists and figure out, okay, there's a lot of things that we want to add to to bring the value that I think Convoy brought to a number of its shippers um, and, and be able to implement this technology the correct way uh, within our operations or more of like a traditional brokerage. I think that it's fascinating because the the convoy news has kind of sent ripples, I think, through the shockwave industry or ripples and shockwaves through the industry. One of the questions that I asked JP Hampstead about when he brought us the news both last week and to start off uh, Freightwaves Now this week was, do other digital brokerages in the space need to maybe see this as a cautionary tale or feel a little bit wary about the way that things are going right now? And he said, you know, it's it's difficult for him to say but there is kind of this underlying fear that maybe going purely digital is not a complete method to success. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you think that other digital brokerages who are maybe have less of a reliance on the traditional brokerage model need to be worried? And should they be looking at maybe spreading themselves out into more of that digital versus traditional? You know, I think that I think that we're all on the same page that to, the technology side of this industry is something that's gotta happen. I think that you're seeing shrinking margins across all brokerage sizes in order to compete. And we can go back and forth on, on who started that. I think a lot of people point to the digital guys as, you know, kind of buying that volume and bringing those rates down. I don't I don't completely put it on that. But for me, I think this is more of a cautionary story of the financial side of the business and how you're extending your cash flow and how you're coming up with the, the financial whereabouts in order to uh, sustain your growth. I mean, I always tell people the funny thing is like when people start brokerages, they're always, you know, what, what should I be considering? What should I be thinking of? How should I be like, you know, teaching my sales reps, et cetera. And it, for me, especially depending on how you're going at it, and most are, scaling is the biggest issue that you have to deal with. Now, uh, I think Craig wrote about this uh, a couple of times already in, in the 
about the brokerage space, but you know, as we start to move into a better market, especially for the carriers out there and rates coming uh, up and, and hopefully some more volume, this is a lot of times where those brokerages, depending on what their finances look like, can can really extend themselves. All right, you're you're going from an, a situation where likely shippers are paying you as far out as possible, 90 days. I mean, some the bigger shipper, I mean, some like GM paying 120. So mm -hmm. you get these, if you are moving GM loans, right, right now, but still <laughs> uh, you go from that, that type of environment to an environment where the carriers do start to become more competitive, right? And now you're competing against other brokerages, which means you probably have to quick pay or you have to pay uh, a same day. Or, I mean, there's carriers that will literally say no to a load with a $25 difference, knowing that they'll get paid tomorrow once they get this off their back. So think of that situation as a brokerage. And if you're cash situation, your liquid situation is not correct, or maybe you are uh, close to breaking some these covenants that that uh, even Craig's talked about when it comes to uh, whether you're taking a business loan or you're uh, financing or factoring some of your invoices, you could literally be in a situation where you are like convoy and one day you're running and the next day you're just not. So I think, again, more of a financial tale than whether technology is there. Technology is going to have to happen with the way that margins are, are happening. Automation is going to have to happen no matter what. I think it's interesting perspective. And of course, I'm sure it will continue to be a hot topic of debate as we move into F3 as well. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest for the day, Grace. Our guest is no stranger to the great quarter gal screen. Melzi Wilson, the last time she was here with us, we were live and in person sitting in the chair next to me. And little sad that you're not here with me again, Melzi, but we are excited to talk to you because you've gone through some pretty big changes in the last kind of six months. Talk to us about your new position, CEO of the Global Solutions. Congratulations on making the move. Talk to us about that decision that it was time for change. Well, you know, um, thanks for having me. And like I said, I think I was like your first guest after the pandemic. And Grace, you weren't there with us, unfortunately. I think you I wasn't, were, yes. Uh, offered a conference. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, just one day I had an unexpected opportunity and with that opportunity uh came many more opportunities and i was um in a position to where i didn't know which way to go in all honesty so you know i always say leave it to god god's got the answer so basically what i did was i just prayed and said hey you got to give me a sign and that sign was global solutions and uh, I'm very excited about it. With um, 37 years of experience, it goes a long way in able to help others in their supply chain. Hey, uh, all about manifesting a new opportunity. And I think even, you know, pivoting into a new opportunity can be really stressful, right? I mean, depending what, especially lifestyle, right? And how you've uh, maneuvered your own lifestyle around a certain job or, or career and having to, to pivot into something new, uh, that can be tough. Can you tell us a little bit about doing that, pivoting into this, this new opportunity uh, and, and exactly uh, why you feel like uh, this movement's gonna be best for you and your growth as well. 
Okay. So um, I will say this. I, I came into the situation on the best of platforms. Um, I'm a heavy networker. I've been very involved with the NCBFAA, which is the National Customs Brokers and Freight Forward Association. Through the years, I was have been involved with ACTC, um, with CSAC, with the government, TSN, with the government, uh, anywhere where I could help out our partners in the supply chain, I have been involved with that. So um, the transition was relatively easy because the demand for help and for feedback um, and, and uh, how people were approaching their supply chains, their services within the uh, supply chain, understanding where their risk lie was one of those things that um, was a good transition. and. And I haven't really had to market anything. I'm getting, you know, inquiries all the time. Hey, Melzi, can you help me? It's not our area of expertise or I don't have the bandwidth. Can you help me out? So uh, the transition is great. It's not allowing, it's allowing me to not only focus on the business and everything I know, but also giving me an opportunity. I just spent the weekend working with, uh, the WJBL, which is the World Junior Barbecue League, which was founded by pitmaster Melissa Cookston, in helping youngsters. So, uh, and then I also work with Halls for the Cause out of New Orleans, helping uh, families with children with pediatric brain cancer. So, it's opened up everything for me to get a great work-life balance of working very hard for our industry while concentrating on my philanthropic work and my family. So let's talk a little bit about the CEO role and now leading the global solutions. Can you talk about where your company now exists kind of in the freight and supply chain space and what it's like leading as we're in kind of this still contractionary market? With the last time that we talked, we were, I believe it was kind of the beginning of 2021. And so things were really still in this like post-pandemic absolute upswing. It's changed a lot since then. And how has this role transition gone in a market that's not as supportive as it once was? Right. So what I'm seeing from my clients, they're either, they learned, we all learned a lot from the pandemic. It really highlighted our weaknesses as well as our strengths in the supply chain. From a service provider, they were able to say, okay, these are the industries I want to work with. These are the industries and the products I want to stay away from. And when you look at the middle of it, you find a happy medium. So um, uh, when you're you're looking at your supply chain, you really need to know where you want to go. Now, some of my clients, like I said, they're seeing their weaknesses and how they can get stronger. So that's some of the advice and some things I'm working on with them. Others are looking at venturing out. Um, like you say, uh, uh, everything's a little crazy right now. Some people are super busy while others are not. I have some clients that are taking this time. They're a little bit slower because of their niche of business, but they want to invest in, you know, their process improvement, their, um, compliance, you know, uh, looking at, uh, improving their efficiencies because my whole mantra, my whole approach to things is if you look at your compliance and your clients is not just regulations, 
but it's your processes, your procedures, how you're doing your business. And if you're looking at that strongly and reviewing that and keeping up to date and keeping your employees and your team members fully aligned with that, then that next step only drives efficiency. And we all know that efficiency drives your growth and thus either cuts your cost or drives efficiency and adds money to your uh, bottom line. Yeah, it's uh, this is like the perfect time, right, to really look at how you're you're working and and like you said, right, compliance share for regulation standards, but also just to to keep your office efficient and make sure there's no added waste. Can you maybe share a couple of examples of of common situations that you see within your clients where it's it's an easy fix, but maybe they just haven't seen it until till someone's pointed it out to them. Right. I think that uh, seen with some some of the clients is is the audit based approach. Um, I don't like myself or my team going in and looking at your final. This is how this is how you do your business. You know that doesn't work. What are your team members doing? So I start with the audit based approach and interviews with your team members. And so that brings a lot a lot to light as far as what everyone thought they were doing versus what they really are doing. And I think one of the biggest um, um, areas where uh, it's kind of been left to the wayside, and that is with NVOCC. You know, our ocean uh, freight really became highlighted during the pandemic with detention, demerge, delays, lack of equipment, uh, lack in the trucking industry. The trucking industry has uh, had a lack of bandwidth to support, you know, drayage for many years. And this really highlighted that. Thus, the capacity for the trucking industry to the volume of containers sitting and the equipment uh, constraints with chassis really just blew it up to where, um, it, it highlighted those areas of what could I have done better. And so that's what these audits are really highlighting. You know, how was my approach in, in my partnership with my trucker? How was my approach in who was I pick, picking to move my freight? You know, was I having consistency? You know, um, so this really highlights um, who are my partners and who delivered for us. Um, and where I was able to be more efficient, thus drive my revenue and growth and provide a, provide a service for my client. And then from the importer perspective, you know, um, how how's my working relationship? Did I have the proper SOPs with, um, with my service provider? And that's what I'm really finding amazing is that from a, if, if I was an importer or exporter or a domestic um, manufacturer, distributor, I would have SOPs with everyone I work with. You have to have a level of expectation and that SOP must be a living document and reviewed on a regular basis. Not the fact that you get upset and you want to fire that service provider, but be proactive. Meet on a monthly, quarterly, regular basis. You know, uh, Grace, you brought up earlier, you know, someone paying in 30, 60, 90, 120 days. You know, it could have been that the expectation was initially 30 or 30 to 60 days. And it kind of morphed because we didn't have the SOP and the expectation. 
you, you're now at 120 days without an agreement. So I think uh, the best things I've learned in working with clients is strengthen SOPs and keeping them as living documents so that everyone, the cargo owner as well as the service provider, is on the exact same page. So, Melissa, the last time that you and I sat down to chat, again, we were kind of at the beginnings of 2021, and you made what I think was a really great call at that point in time, and really starting to see it kind of unfold, is we talked about how there was going to be kind of this dissolve of globalization into more regionalized approaches to moving your freight into seeing your supply chains really kind of break down from these long, complex supply chains into more kind of fragmented, but slightly simpler pieces. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that with the reassuring initiatives and the nearshoring initiatives that are going on across the United States and Mexico. Is that something that you're seeing with your clients too? And is that something that we can expect to continue from your perspective? Is this kind of breakdown of globalization, not only just with the way that uh, supply chain is going, but with global conflict as well, and this kind of return to more regional approaches to supply chain? Yes. Um, we're, we're seeing that, of course, you know, the situation in Ukraine and Russia, as well as um, the situation we're now seeing with Israel and the surrounding countries with uh confrontation um it's just going to keep expanding you know through the years there are some companies that have strong partners or even own their own companies in those countries where there's realignment that it's not gonna it's not an easy overnight process we are seeing a shift you are seeing that nearshoring going to to mexico especially uh you're seeing a shift toward india Pakistan, in that region of the country where they can get uh, great quality products, uh, but not have the restraint that we formerly saw out of China. Uh, but you're also seeing China businesses uh, begging for business now because they're seeing the shift as well. Um, you're going to see uh, more manufacturing, which cannot be done overnight, but you're seeing a great deal of emphasis by our own government. The government's coming in more into play into supporting um, um, uh, manufacturing here in the U.S. You're going to see a difference on um, uh, buying practices. You know, the automotive industry has always been just in time. We saw that during their approach, they were really, uh, they had to shut down their uh, supply chains at time and partially make vehicles um, with the missing of the chip. You know, tons of vehicles out there, but guess what? No chips to make the cars run properly. Um, so we're going to see uh, nearshoring. We're going to see um, going to regions of the world where there's less, conf less confrontation. We're going to see where um, uh, there's going to be a shift with U.S. manufacturing, and we're going to see a shift with uh, um, uh, the importance of companies that are changing their approach with um, uh, not just-in-time purchasings for the international aspect. So we'll see a growth in the use, uh, in the use of uh, foreign trade, which is like a, a mini country within the U.S. to where you can import goods into those zones and then bring them out and then pull them into the commerce of the U.S. 
I, I, last, uh, we have a couple minutes here, Melzi, and clearly it's the first time I've, I've met you and you seem to really grow your career networking and, and just increasing your knowledge in the space as well. Any advice, quick advice you give women out there that are looking to take the next step in their career or even maybe take on a new opportunity uh, during this market in particular? Um, I have to say that um, there are a number of women-owned consulting businesses out there, and my uh, a lot of my work is is working with them. We're working very well together. You know, uh, uh, you, you mentioned earlier. You know, competitors. Well, competitors help each other with solutions. So if if I'm finding something or I have an area of expertise. And my sister consultant does not have that area of expertise. We're working together. Hey, Melty, can you take on this? You know, uh, great client of mine, but this is not my niche. And I'm doing the same thing with them. So uh, I think networking, uh, being a part of, of great groups, women in international trade, your local uh, business associations, most cities like Memphis, have women's organizations to promote women in business. Network, I mean, I can't tell you how many young women um, will hit me up on LinkedIn saying, hey, do you have a few minutes to talk? Don't say I don't have enough time. Take that time to nurture and be a mentor and, and see the growth in that person through where you've been and share so they don't get kind of like the school of hard knocks that you went through in your growth. You know, I just think that networking, you know, um, Kaylee, after I met you, you know, I follow you closely. You young ladies are doing so much that I wish I would have had the opportunity to do um, that we didn't have at the time as I was coming up in the business. So kudos to y'all and really promoting women. Um, and then we just all got to have each other's back. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, I mean, our industry today, we kind of laugh. Uh, we look at the NCBFAA. It used to be a strictly a, a very male oriented uh, uh, association. Now, most of the uh, members and the leadership are women. So it's kind of like a, a kind of cute little turn on that. But uh, you know, like I've told you before, Kaylee, I have my pink ladies, you know, some of the leaders <laughs> in our business, you know, there's not a day that doesn't go by that we don't reach out with to each other. Hey, I got a question. Hey, I need prayers. Hey, I need help on this. And we got each other's back. We love it. We all got to stick together. Oh, Melzi, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Congratulations on the new opportunity. We're excited to see it flourish for you. Thank you so much. All right, Grace. And of course, you and I will be stuck together at F3 coming up again in just two weeks. We uh, live.freightwaves.com to purchase those tickets. I am so excited. Are you ready for the TI concert? That's the real question. Uh, oh, I've been ready for years for that, you could say. Uh, I'm, the whole thing's going to be great. I can't, I, it's, that's just a cherry on top of the Sunday. There's so much other stuff, I think, going on throughout the week. I'm I'm on edge. I'm excited. I'm uh, excited to see everyone and, and to to learn too about this uh, industry even even more than I already know. There we go. So if you want to be part of our F3 girl gang, go ahead and hit us up on LinkedIn and we'll we'll get together a little gals meetup at the conference. Thank you guys for sticking with us yeah. for today's episode. We will hopefully see you all here in Chattanooga in two weeks and have a great rest of your day. One, two, three.